I think there should be more noise. <laughs> the world's too quiet nowadays. I guess that might be true. You don't hear the swinging of hammers upon anvils down at the village smithy. You don't hear the trash being compacted loudly. You don't. You don't hear the cannonballs roaring like uh <laughs> like in that whiskey in the jar song. <laughs> so it's so it's um time it's up to us to make the noise. Well you know, like public enemy. Yeah, turn anthrax. It up. We're gonna bring the noise. Bring the noise. They got together and did that song. Yeah, and it proved that uh people of all backgrounds can come together and create something magical. It's called noise. Oh, yeah. (laughs) People just turn the episode off whenever I start mashing the buttons. Well, uh, I don't care. (laughs) This week, it's the raincoat report again. It is this week, once again, the Raincoat Report. And once again, this is Boss here with Jeremy. Hey, hello. We're here to talk this week uh, about the lovely and talented Bob Chin. Oh, yeah. We're a couple of chinophiles ourselves. I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Try not to be much of a file of anything. (laughs) Fair enough. For phobe. Better to be afraid than it is to love something too much. So um, you never get in trouble. <laughs> That's one way to live life. <laughs> it's important to cower in fear. <laughs> I guess if there's one thing you probably learned at Catholic school, yeah. it was probably that. Yeah, I learned that. Uh, well, I was trying to tie it back to the noise thing, but I got nothing. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, we're taking a trip... Uh, Back to 1983 with Bob Chin to experience one of his Hyapatia Lee vehicles uh, around the same time as the Young Like It Hot. There was also Sweet Young Foxes. Oh, okay. Uh, The Young Like It Hot, Sweet Young Foxes. That's the link between the two is just have Young in the title. Oh yeah. And the Young Like It Hot though was the one about the, the one about the telephone station. Yes. That one's great. Yeah, that is great. This is uh this is a different vibe. We covered that one way back though. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a uh a double feature from Vinegar Syndrome, the sweet young fox is the young like it hot. Yeah, now I understand why they got a double feature together. Yeah. Because of the names. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, Vinegar Syndrome put this out on DVD uh, years ago, and then it was released on Blu-ray in a very limited edition that uh, I couldn't own for a long time because it was like hundreds of dollars on eBay. Okay, yeah, but, uh, making money moves. Yeah, uh, but Vinegar Syndrome re-released this in, on a 4K disc, I believe it was last year, and uh, the world wept in joy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff's getting the 4K treatment nowadays. Makes sure everything is. makes everything real sharp. Yes, but Shh. but in a good way. Yeah, you feel like you're in there. You're immersed. Yeah, you feel like the giant cock that's filling your screen is. You could just reach out and bat at it like you're in leather dreams. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could reach out and bat at it like, uh, like a cat does, just to a television in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I try to live my life. Very cat-like. Yeah. You ever worry that the 4Ks, there's going to be something beyond 4K where you're merged with the film and you don't know how to get back out? Maybe. Hmm. Hadn't thought about it too much, but that is the sort of thing that I have nightmares about, so. Yeah. Because they've, like I said, they've been given a lot of stuff, that treatment, like stuff you don't really think would ever get it. Like, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I came over, I think on the day when it was really hot, maybe. Yeah. And I saw that you had had a 4K copy of Gorgo, and I was like, why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, once again, that was Vinegar Syndrome doing that. Yeah, that sounds about right. They're, uh, uh, they're a wild 
kooky yeah. bunch. They've gone mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I just remember Gorgo was something I was excited to own as a child and then being yeah. incredibly bored by it and probably never really getting to the good Gorgo stuff. Yeah, the you know, the British have a way of taking things and sometimes just making them boring. Yeah, they just do them slow. They just move slow over there. Yeah, and they're like, we're not going to show you any boobs. They're sluggish. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they, they would get you boobs uh, eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Once those... Uh, once the slow films fell out of fashion, they were like, we got to do something. When the rest of the world was showing hardcore films and harder sexploitation films, yeah. they were just like, okay, we can show some nipples every once in a while now. And they had a full and complete like reaction against that less than like 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are like, we want our slow films back. Yes. We want the women to have collars that go all the way up to their chins. Yes, and we want our Godzillas to be lizards and uh, for you to only see them towards the end of the movie. No. <laughs> That's um, not totally true. No. But you go, I think you go a good like half hour before you get some good Gorgo action. That sounds about right. I know there was a Gorgo comic book series at the time that kind of followed it. That was uh, probably not super popular, but just one of those kind of tie-in things you can make. Yes, uh, as a special feature on the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, uh, there is a uh, a video that kind of goes through the comic books, like okay. pans through it, so you can read it. Did you do that? No. Okay. Well, maybe there's more Gorgo action in there. They should have someone read it. They should. They should have gotten Christopher Lee to read it. Yeah, they should have got uh, Christopher Tolkien. <laughs> i think he's still kicking around jr's son yeah he, yeah he wrote more middle earth things yeah i think he he got his hands in them he got his fingers in the pie good on him yeah no someone had to do it nerds love that stuff yeah like you need just whole bookshelves full of learning more about middle earth <laughs> well the, the uh, ages <laughs> the, the languages of the elves the um a lot of giant spiders. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool. I like that stuff. I like, uh, there's werewolves and bats too, but uh, I think we should maybe talk more about Bob Chen. And <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, far away from Middle Earth is the West Coast, where uh, Bob Chen was doing his deeds. And uh, in the year 1983, the young liked it hot, and the young were also sweet foxes. Um. Thankfully, unlike some of the films that we've seen, it's made very clear that these are college-age girls. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you got that. Kind of. I mean, it's clear they are college-age girls, but I don't know that I'm buying it. Well, fair enough. I'm just saying, narratively speaking, they say that they're finishing their first semester of college. Okay. Well, why don't you save that for later, Mr. Narrator? Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, we've got Hyapatia Lee again, uh, leading the pack. We also have the lovely and talented Kay Parker uh, playing her mother, who is very concerned. It's a strange sort of like mid-Atlantic accent, transatlantic accent, whatever that is. Yeah. You know what I mean. Um, of course, Hyapatia Lee has friends of her own. Kim, played by Cindy Carver, and Maggie, played by Kara Lott. Mm -hmm. um, Kay Parker has a romantic uh, relationship with Raymond, played by Eric Edwards. And uh, our sweet foxes meet up with some gentlemen, uh, including Bud Lee, who uh, was Hyapatia Lee's husband at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Blair Harris... Uh, Carl Lincoln, who I didn't really recognize. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was Kevin James at first. Oh, yeah, it yeah. It took me a moment, and I was like, that's not Kevin. And, of course, uh, serial accused... Or, was he convicted? Uh, I think he might have gotten convicted. I convicted him in the port of raincoat opinion. Serial, at least alleged, if not convicted, sexual predator Ron Jeremy makes an appearance. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got 
the lovely and older than our young foxes, Pat Manning, who's uh, here to teach the ladies a thing or two herself. Mm. Yes, is it? She gets a special throw out as like 1982's like June Playmate or something like that. Uh, yeah. October 1982 Hustler Centerfold Pat Manning is how she's credited. There we go. Sorry. My, so, uh, yeah. I the details mixed up, but uh, what's important is that I kept it in my head that, that, uh, that she was once a centerfold. She was. Uh, it's worth mentioning that this was written by Deborah Chin, who, is, who was Bob Chin's wife. Okay. This is uh, more of a dramatic piece than the comedy piece that was uh, the young like it hot i'll say so uh which has its uh pluses and minuses we'll say uh and otherwise what pros and cons yeah otherwise i'll just add that in the credits the credited production manager was the fish yeah um (laughs) it just means cocaine just fish scale (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right it so ran the whole feature yeah like much in the 80s it's all run by cocaine it sure was as we will see as we will see where are we going well we are going to break and then we'll be back to talk a little bit more about sweet young foxes get a close-up on the con it's beautiful Welcome back to the Raincoat Report, where we have more chins than a Chinese phone book. (laughs) That's a a joke you can't pull out very often anymore. No, but it worked this time. (laughs) It's Bob Chin. I don't know if I've used that one before, but uh, it came to me on the way over, and I was like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) It's classic. Oh, boy. They won't let you make China jokes at all soon once the tanks start rolling in, so get them in now <laughs> while you can, you know? <laughs> Is that the sort of thing your dad says at dinner? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so. No, it's just, it's just the sort of thing I see every day um, on the internet. Oh, yeah. People are real scared. Um, I get it. If footmen tire you what will horses do you know oh yeah yeah that's if, a, that was a warning and if horses tire you just wait for the tanks yeah that's the name of my sequel yeah <laughs> uh if horses tire you yeah erotic anyhow <laughs> sweet young foxes opens on our sweet young foxes, nude and getting dressed in separate rooms as our credits start, complete with another classic Bob Chin theme song. I'll hand it to him. He's got a theme song for pretty much every film. Yes, and uh, that's something that we can't say about Roseanne Triple X, which we covered on Patreon. Did we cover that on Patreon? We yes. Sure, we sure did, but... Um... If you're trying to make an allusion to last week's Patreon, that's not it. No, I understand that. Okay, I was but, just thinking about that specifically because it stood out that it was just generic music playing instead of like no a... There was no attempt at making, yeah, there was no attempt in that film at making it like Roseanne at all. No, unlike uh, This Ain't Happy Days, which... Also a Patreon special. Yes, which in fact did a good job of uh, recreating the Happy Days theme in parody form. It sure did. Um, I think we should make more oblique references to stuff we covered on Patreon to really whet their appetites. Yes, get them nice and wet. Yeah, get them all, you know, just slimed up. (laughs) Slimes wet, in a way. Uh, So, we see Laura 
played by Hyapatia Lee, picking up her phone and calling her friend Maggie, played by Kara Lott. Laura is happy she's wrapped up her last final and wants to go out with Maggie, but Maggie made a last-minute date plan with some guy, so she suggests that uh, Laura instead call their friend Kim and give Kim something to do other than watching the light show. Laura agrees that they need to broaden Kim's horizons. After hanging up the phone, we see Laura pull out her diary and start writing. She notes she finished up her first semester at Cal State, but it's just hard to go on without Alex. Just going to make a point here that the outfits they changed into are not the clothes they're wearing now. That was just for the title sequence. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it was a pretty good title sequence. I liked it throughout. Yeah. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, good credit work, I will say. They used a lot of, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like text magic, word art. Yeah, like a lot video, of word art. A lot of video effects <laughs> <laughs> on the you know the credits uh, phased in and out. They came in from the left and right. They took me by storm. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I just wanted to, you know, shout out the credits. We don't give enough love to the credits sometimes. Sometimes we don't, but a lot of the times you just get a, like a black film card with the title. Yeah, it's there's not much to shout out, but here we had a bunch of uh, lovely naked bodies in the background and uh, lots of <laughs> word yeah art. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they called it in Windows. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, I got a shout. I had to let it all out. And now, back to boss. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Laura's writing in her diary, talking about how she's bummed out that her old boyfriend, Alex, went to Harvard. But she knows she still remembers him. And we get a cutaway to Laura and Alex naked and making out. Alex being played by Bud Lee. I'm not at all convinced he's an 18-year-old. No. He looks like a Harvard professor, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're caressing one another. She notes that he's traveling abroad and wonders how she's going to make it through the next three months. Laura puts away her diary and starts to unbutton her shirt, revealing her red lacy bra. She caresses her chest and legs a bit before she starts to unbutton her skirt and fully discard her shirt. We see Laura pull her bra down a bit to reveal her nipples, which she rubs a bit as we get flashes of Laura from the scene we previewed earlier, her with Alex. She's laying back and moaning. We see, as Laura finishes undressing, that she's reflecting on the memory of Alex going down on her as she starts to rub her nipples and clit in excitement. We cut away more fully to Laura and Alex kissing and him pulling off her panties and beginning to go down on her. Laura moans, stating, That's good, as Alex slowly works her clit with his tongue. We get flashes to Laura, playing with herself in the present, as the oral continues in the flashback. The music in the background is a blaring saxophone as this is continuing for a bit, them laying next to the fire as this is going on. As Laura holds open her labia in the present, beginning to finger-fuck herself with fingernails that seem inappropriate for that. Yeah, that's a concern for me, usually. Yeah. And I think for some of our listeners as well. Yeah, it's it's a scary thing to see. I feel like we see a lot of uh, Vanessa Del Rio with long fingernails doing this. Yeah, it's frightening. She's in there scraping up her insides, <laughs> bringing off little chunks. Uh, But we cut to Laura in the flashback sucking Alex's cock. And after sucking and stroking his cock for a bit, we see her mount Alex cowgirl. As she continues to play with herself in the present, we watch her ride Alex's cock cowgirl for a bit as he's squeezing her ass. Alex mounts Laura missionary and fucks away as Laura in the present finger fucks herself harder. Alex gives her a good pounding and finally pulls out as Laura strokes a load out of him onto her stomach and she rubs it in as she continues to play with herself in the present. She uh, seemingly finishes herself off quite satisfied 
smiling as she softly touches herself a bit more. We then cut to Maggie at Mark's place. Mark being played by serial, alleged, and or convicted sex predator Ron Jeremy. Yep, there he is. She compliments his place, and he notes it's affordable, but adds that she can relax. He's not going to pounce on her or anything, although I know she probably shouldn't relax. Yeah, don't relax too much. you got to keep your guard up in this situation. <laughs> uh, Maggie says that she usually likes to get to know someone better before ending up at their apartment, and uh, he offers her a drink. She says that she doesn't drink, but asks if he has some pot. He starts to act all high and mighty, talking about how no one smokes pot anymore, yeah. and drinking is the adult thing to do. And he calls it grass. He says, no one smokes grass anymore, and brother, you're wrong. Yeah, And I'm whatever. not going to listen to you. I know what you did. <laughs> Maggie accepts the drink, scotch, and tosses it down. Mark tells her she was supposed to sip it. She kicks off her shoes and mentions that the scotch didn't taste as bad as it smelled. Mark offers her a foot massage, and he gets right to it. Maggie notes that scotch made her quite sleepy. Wonder if there's more than scotch in there? Yeah, that's what I wondered as well. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. As she lays back and enjoys herself, Mark kisses her legs a bit, and she finally sits up and says that if he wants to have sex, they can have sex, but she seems to not want him to go down on her. Mark asks if she's never had sex that way before, and she says of course she has. But Mark says he doesn't think she's been made love to properly, so Maggie invites him to do so. Mark quickly moves on to licking Maggie's clit as he fingers her vagina. He gives that to her for a couple of minutes before whipping out his cock and beginning to fuck her. Mark is stuffing her for a bit here mm -hmm. as she lays back on a chair. He then has Maggie shift into doggy position and starts to fuck her from behind as she's bent over the chair. She demands he come all over her face, so he pulls out and Maggie sucks and strokes his cock, yeah. licking the sides. Uh, Mark is very sweaty here. Yeah, there's a part where she deep throats him, and it, it's pretty impressive. Yes. She goes all the way down there, uh, and you know, that ain't just whistling Dixie. Yeah, he's, he's got quite a hog on him. So. He does, yeah. That's how he got in the business was his hog. That's why they called him the hedgehog. Yeah. Because he found him cranking it in the hedge. <laughs> <laughs> he grabs his cock and strokes and erupts with a sizable load on Maggie's face and in her mouth. It's going to pop. <laughs> we cut to Laura talking to Kim, played by Cindy Carver. Kim's worried about how she did on the finals, but Laura tells her that she's never done less than perfect on anything. Kim notes she has to keep her grades up or her dad will take away her car. Laura doesn't seem convinced that he actually would. As Kim and Laura are sharing a joint, Kim talks about being afraid of the dark when she's home alone. Yeah. She talks about being a kid and crying out when her mom turned off the light and her dad comforting her and leaving the light on for her. Kim says she's accepted that she's afraid of the dark, but she's hoping that she grows out of it. It's very strange. Yeah. Are you afraid of the dark, boss? No. I mean, I don't love it yeah, all the time. It's hard to see in it, for one It's thing. hard to see. I have constant thoughts that, like, I'm going to look out a window or something and see something fucked up that you would see in a horror movie. Yeah. And it's just going to turn my life on its side and yeah, you don't I'm need, never going to be the same. Yeah, you don't need that. I try not to... Yeah, I don't fuck with the dark too much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point, Julie, Laura's mom, comes home. Julie being played by Kay Parker. She calls out to Laura... Laura panics, noting that she forgot what time it was, and tells Kim to burn some incense as they're trying to get the pot smell out of the room. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> Mentioning that her mom always knows when she's high. Yeah, because the fucking house reeks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a this is an issue that you've uh, had to deal with the past couple of years, yes? Yeah, I just don't smoke in the house. Oh, fair I just, enough. I take it out. I take it outside. Sit in my car, it's like the car idle in the garage. <laughs> and I get high on the fumes. 
<laughs> no, we don't have a garage. I just sit out uh, in the, you know, I just sit out where God and everyone can see me. Yeah. I'm not concerned about the laws of man <laughs> or beast. <laughs> Laura leaves her room and meets her mom, who hands her a letter from her father. Julie nags Laura about asking her dad for money or how she's going to eat a hamburger for dinner. She lectures her on staying out late and sleeping with who knows who, drinking and smoking. Then she asks Laura, what happened to us? Laura yells at Julie, talking about how when she divorced her father, she divorced her too so that she could go out and sleep with whoever she likes. At the end of her eruption, Julie smacks her in the face and storms off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of drama in this scene out of yeah. nowhere. She's not chill when she's high, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I do get the being annoyed when your mom keeps asking you a bunch of questions. So. Yeah. Especially when you're high. I get it. I get that part of it. Yeah. That part I can relate to. I'm like, Jesus Christ, just let me chill. Yeah. <laughs> Laura looks a bit heartbroken and on the edge of tears. Moments later, Kim joins Laura and asks if she's okay. Laura tells her everything's fine and asks Kim if she wants to have some fun tonight, adding that she wants to get laid and suggesting that they go to some artist party. Well, that sounds cool. Uh, I thought, to be honest, I thought that Laura was just getting Kim high as like a pretext to like do some lesbian stuff. But he didn't go that direction. No. 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 Uh, some would say a missed opportunity, but I guess, uh, you know, they're all just friends. Yeah, you know, you don't have, we don't have sex when we get high together. That's true. <laughs> That's true. We've been high. Not yet, at least. It's been a long time. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I like think the will they, won't they has probably uh, been decided at this point. <laughs> it's a, It's a won't. Judgment rendered. <laughs> nice gavel. Thank you. It's uh, I got it from the Hanna-Barbera sound archives. <laughs> uh, as they're on the way out, Julie stops Kim and Laura. When Julie hears that they're going out, Julie gets upset that Laura's been out every night this week and suggests that she has her friends hang out at their house instead, noting that she'll be out until late anyway. Laura says that they won't be out late and apologizes to Julie for everything. Laura tells her to say hi to Randy for her, and Julie corrects her that it's Raymond. Yeah. So yes. Um, as I was saying earlier, she has like this, I guess it's a, called a mid-Atlantic accent. <laughs> okay. It kind of makes her sound like, um, is it Jane Krakowski? Is it from uh, 30 Rock? Oh, uh, Jane Krakow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forget what her character's name is, but like the way she would just overpronounce words sometimes. Jenna Maroney. Yeah. A, kind of a Jenna sort of accent where she would say like camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kay's doing that. And I don't know why. <laughs> Fair enough. As Laura shuts the door, Julie tells her to be careful. And as we watch Laura and Kim leave, we see Julie look at herself in the mirror contemplatively. She then reaches into her robe and starts to caress her breasts. As the jazz sax kicks in, Julie opens her coat and reveals her body. She grabs and rubs her breasts more before reaching in between her legs and rubbing her uh, hands stacked on top of each other over her vagina. Mm -hmm. This is a very sensuous sax solo yes. that goes on for quite a while. I imagine it's played by the sax man from Leather Dreams. Yeah, I think so. He's still wailing on yeah. through eternity. Yes, trapped in the video zone forever. Oh, no. She stops and begins to focus on putting her hair up before hopping into the shower, which is on. Good. We watch as Julie soaps up her breasts and then begins to properly masturbate with her hands. She holds her vagina open and lets the water hit her clit a bit as she finishes up in the shower. We cut to Laura and Kim meeting with Maggie, who's passed out in a chair outside the house that they're at, which I believe is Kim's house. Mm -hmm. Apparently, she's totally fucked up and they have to take care of her. 
They drag her into the house, and she finally seems to stir awake. They lecture her on how she's going to kill herself with her drug use. It seems like the only the only thing we've seen her want so far is like marijuana. Yeah, but I, I I've I was assuming that she's been uh, riding the horse or something. Oh, okay. I mean, there's no they don't really tell you, but she seems to be on a different planet than Laura and Kim, who were just smoking pot. Okay. All right. Yeah, she's uh. She's got a tough home life, I guess. We're told that with no explanation. No. <laughs> Maggie tells them to stop lecturing her. She knows that she's happy being high all the time, or at least she's miserable when she's straight. Maggie thanks them for making sure her father didn't find her like that, and they agree that her father isn't understanding. And then Maggie talks about how her mother died young, and she wants to join her. Her friends scold her for the suicidal talk and then ask her if she, if she wants to go out with them. Yeah. Uh, Maggie needs help. Yeah. She needs help, and they will only give her the bare minimum of splashing her with water until she wakes up and then asking her if she wants to party. Yeah. Like, you need to quit all this stuff. It's You need to quit all this stuff. Now, do you want to go party with us? Yeah. Do you want to go, you know, go get wasted? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, she likes it, so it's fine. Yeah. Maggie wants to join them, admitting that she's quite horny. So they all decide to shower together in Kim's parents' bathroom. Our sweet young foxes turn on the water, and we begin uh, by watching Junkie Maggie rinse herself off in the shower as a poppy song we heard earlier about going out plays. Going out. Out on the town, having a good time on the town. Gonna <laughs> do it tonight on the town. Tonight. Yeah, that that's, one? that's more or less it, yeah. All right. I remembered it. We, we next watch Laura blasting her clit with the shower head and rinsing off her body as Kim's soaping herself up. So it seems to be like a multi-chambered shower. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, a multi-shower setup. Kim's fucking loaded, apparently. Or her parents are. Right, yeah, that makes sense. That's why she has that car and why she has to keep her her grades up and stuff. She's like, uh... She's like, he's, she's like the one that wasn't Ferris Bueller. Okay. You know? Did you see that movie? Yes. I don't remember the names of all the characters, though. It's the one that was his friend. The one that whose dad had the car? Yeah. Yeah. She's him. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there's Cameron. Yes. Okay. Now look at you. <laughs> who directed Ferris Bueller's Day Off? It's someone notable, but I can't remember. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, John Hughes. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Howard Hawks. <laughs> uh. Maggie criticizes Kim's lack of makeup and offers to help her out as Laura's drying off and getting out of the tub. Laura asks to borrow a dress from Kim, and we see her dressing up. They marvel at Kim's makeup that uh, Maggie did for her, uh, and then Kim and Maggie also get dressed. They compliment each other's outfits and are ready to go fuck the town. Yeah, Kim doesn't seem super impressed with her makeup. She's like, it makes it feels it looks so so old. <laughs> uh, I don't think conveys what they wanted her to say. Yeah, probably not. It just makes her sound like she looks like uh, like an old uh, like an old an old lady, an old witch, <laughs> old hag. I will say that uh, she did have a, a bit of a transformed look after being made up. Yeah, she looked good. We cut to Julie having dinner with Raymond, again played by Eric Edwards. They're chatting, and Raymond asks how long they've been dating. She responds, two years now. And then he asks if she's ever wondered why he hadn't asked her to marry him. She jokes about thinking that he had possibly been gay this whole time. Raymond says that he got a very promising job offer, but he'd have to move to St. Paul. She congratulates him and says that he shouldn't give up that opportunity, and he says he doesn't plan to. But he also doesn't plan to give Julie up. 
Raymond asks her to marry him and move with him to St. Paul. Julie says that she's got a lot of responsibility here and she has to look after Laura. Raymond tells her that Laura can look after herself, she's an adult after all, and Julie needs to see that she needs to start taking care of herself and herself alone. Raymond kisses her and they leave to go to another room. We cut to Raymond laying in bed with Julie leaning down, rubbing his shoulders, before reaching under the covers to stroke his cock. Raymond is fully naked, and Julie is only wearing a bra here. Raymond then lays Julie down and pulls her breasts out of her bra and tells her that he loves her. He starts to go down on Julie as she moans in pleasure. They toss away Julie's bra and kiss before Julie leans down and begins to suck and stroke Raymond's cock. They make out as she strokes him, and he asks her to suck on his tongue, and she does. <laughs> Raymond then mounts Julie missionary and starts to fuck her. He pounds away for a bit before pulling out and coming onto Julie's vagina. She reaches down and gets a taste as Raymond pushes his cock back into her, for a few more thrusts as they kiss. We then cut to a party where a bunch of hip youths are dancing around to a poppy beat with a guitar solo over top. They're dancing to America's favorite song. Oh yeah, that classic, <laughs> that top 40s hit. Yeah, the top 40s. <laughs> that was one that your grandparents were fucking to. Yeah. <laughs> um, the ladies are mostly standing around and chatting. Laura approaches a guy who's standing around and asks, Alan, is that really you? Alan here being played by Carl Lincoln. He says it's been a long time since he's seen her and notes that she looks great. She mentions that he looks exactly like he did in high school, but better. Laura talks about how she's out tonight to piss her mom off. She asks him why he dated all those other girls in high school, but never dated her. He says that he wished he could have, but that he was four years older than her, and everyone would have said that he was robbing the cradle. Which is, I think that's fair. Yeah. She notes that he wouldn't be robbing the cradle now, and in fact, it wouldn't even go on his record. They decide to find somewhere private to continue this discussion. Oh, good. Meanwhile, Kim is sitting next to a guy played by Blair Harris. Wasn't she worried? Wasn't she like... Missing her boyfriend earlier? Yes. Did they break up? I mean... I know he's no. at Harvard. Maybe they have an understanding. My understa- My guess is they have an understanding, or maybe she just doesn't give a shit. My understanding is that they have an understanding. Yes. <laughs> I have an understanding that you have an understanding that they have an understanding. Damn, that, uh, you know, that uh, just did a... That was my mind-blowing. We don't have a <laughs> mind-blowing kind of button over here. Meanwhile, Kim is sitting next to a guy played by Blair Get Harris. Get a close-up on the con. It's Sorry. <laughs> Kim's sitting next to a guy played by Blair Harris, and they seem to not be talking to each other. Greg kisses Kim's hand and notes that she smells sweet. Kim says he does, too, and admits she can't remember his name, though she knows he already told her. He reintroduces himself as Greg. Laura and Alan find themselves in another room and make out as they're standing. Laura is soon rubbing the crotch of Alan's pants and he reaches down and gets a handful of dad ass. After a bit, they dart off screen to get more serious. In the other room, Kim tells Greg that she's never met a left-handed person before. He seems bored by this conversation, but they decide to take off to another room. Yeah. Um, do you know any left-handed people? My stepdad's left-handed, but like he used to get hit in Catholic school and made to write with his right hand. So he writes with his right hand, but like he does everything else with his left hand. Yeah. Well, that's because it's the devil's hand. Right? <laughs> yeah, I understand why they were hitting the kids. <laughs> uh, my dad's left-handed. Yeah? Yeah, so Andy would hit me with. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, no, that's that's a little, that's a little you know, goof. But uh, he is left-handed. Uh, I don't know what that means. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not either. I don't think it's right. I can barely write with my right hand. I think they should get back to hitting kids. 
whether they're left-handed or right-handed, they need to be taken down a notch, those kids. <laughs> right? That's true. Yeah. <sighs> Maggie meets Miranda, played by Pat Manning, who notes that Maggie looks lonely. Maggie admits that she came with some friends, but they found other people to talk to. Uh, we learned that Miranda is the one who owns this place, which apparently ran her $1.5 million, and uh, she offers to give Maggie a tour. Miranda notes this place was the finest work her husband ever did, maybe the only work he ever did, which is why he's her ex. Oh, yeah. She built it by hand, brick by brick. Yes. And then when it was done, she cruelly divorced him. <laughs> In another room, Alan is sucking Laura's nipples and works his way down her body to play with her clit. He sticks a finger in her and starts to lick her clit. And he goes down on her for a bit, and Laura seems to quite enjoy herself. In another room, Kim and Greg are on a leather couch. Kim says that she should have said something to her friends, Laura and Maggie, adding that Laura is like a guardian angel to her. And Maggie has a lot of problems at home. Greg asks if she ever talks about Kim instead of her friends. He wants to know what Kim's like deep inside, but then he adds, Never mind. I'll find out myself. Ew. <laughs> he starts to make out with Kim. We then see Miranda leading Maggie into a dimly lit room where they sit on a couch together. Maggie tells her that she's tired, and Miranda starts to rub her legs. Then she takes off one of her stockings to rub her foot a bit. You think you're right that she might be on the horse. I used to have a friend that was on the horse, and their main thing I remember them when we would hang out, like after they had just like uh, uh, got off their the, got off their horse, mm -hmm. it would just be sleepy. Yeah, I yeah. could imagine. Yeah, takes a lot out of you. Yeah, it takes a lot out of you doing all that heroin. I guess. Yeah, it's tough. Tough life. You gotta probably heat it up. And then you gotta put it. And you gotta put it in the syringe. I would just smoke it, right? That seems like the way to go. I mean, that's a way to go for sure. Seems like the way to go. You know what I mean? It's probably the way to go. <laughs> uh, so so I think there's something to your thesis. Yeah. Based on my personal experience. Miranda then starts to lick Maggie's leg and works her way up her body where she starts to pull off Maggie's panties. Maggie asks what she's doing and Miranda tells her she's going to make her feel more comfortable. Maggie seems unsure but doesn't stop Miranda and indeed she is immediately telling her how good it feels as uh, Miranda starts to play with her vagina. Miranda soon makes her come pretty hard. At which point Maggie yells, Coming! Coming! <laughs> we cut to Greg going down on Kim on the leather couch. She writhes around as he tongues her clit and fingers her a bit. Laura in another room is sucking and stroking Alan's cock. Miranda is thumb-fucking Maggie, and Maggie is quite enjoying it. Maggie gets off again and tells Miranda to let her do the same to her. I don't ever really use my thumb. Not too much. I guess it's an underutilized digit. Maybe that's what it's actually there for. Yeah. And all the other stuff we did is just by accident. Like knobs oh, yeah. and stuff. Jars. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not what it was made for. No, it wasn't. It was to be... Yep. We need a button. Oh, wait. Yeah, exactly. There we go. That's one we do have. <laughs> Greg pushes his cock inside of Kim and fucks her on the couch. He starts out relatively slow, but gets faster and really lays some pipe, banging out Kim, and she seems to get off as he's pumping away. This feels right. <laughs> he stops to kiss her. Maggie's going down on Miranda. Miranda's telling her what feels good, guiding her a bit through the process. Laura's laying back in a chair with her legs spread out in the air. Alan kneels in front of her and pushes his cock inside her. He begins to thrust pretty hard into her. 
It doesn't take long until he has to pull out and Laura strokes a load out onto her bush. She continues to rub and stroke his cock as she smiles. And Laura he... Bush? She killed a man. Laura she... Bush killed a man? She ran him over. Oh. That's all I'll say about that. Laura continues to rub and stroke his cock as she smiles and he pushes his cock back into her to fuck her more. Greg pulls the dress off of Kim's midsection and pushes back into her to fuck her more. After a bit, he pulls out and Kim strokes out a load onto her chest. She strokes his cock a bit more and licks his tip before they make out more. Maggie's going down on Miranda to her delight. Maggie works in a couple of fingers, and then, when Miranda demands it, she adds a third finger, which ultimately makes Miranda come really hard. I call that the, the pyramid of power. That's what I call that one. You kind of do it like that? Yeah. You see it? You yeah. ever do that one? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It works. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like a goose mouth. Yeah, it's tried and true. <laughs> We cut to Laura walking next to a body of water. She says in narration that Alex is off getting his education, but she's just getting confused. Laura notes that last night with Alan was just wonderful, and now with her mom in St. Paul with Raymond, she's going to have freedom for three months. She notes that Maggie's dad said that he could keep her company. Uh, okay. Kim's parents are off to Europe until Christmas. So the three of them are going to experience life as single women on their own, but not alone. As Laura notes, there's Alan, Mark, and that guy from my algebra class, and Peter from the gym, and of course my dance teacher. And then we cut to credits with the theme song playing. And those were the sweet young foxes. Why wasn't the movie about any of that? I don't know. Well, I guess I'll ponder it on our break. All right. Well, we'll take our pondering break, and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Sweet Young Foxes. Just that to Muppet Babies is what you did. Muppet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hurts oh yeah yeah i got tackled in eighth grade football and it hasn't stopped hurting since that sounds miserable well it's the life i've chosen to lead well the other life that you've chosen to lead is the life of the raincoat review <laughs> a miserable life <laughs> uh I didn't really care for this film too much. Okay. Uh, I felt like among the Bob Chin films we've watched, this is more of a Carlos Tobolina level film. Okay. It's just got uh, a lot of stuff that does not connect or add up. Nothing really happens in this film, I think, is my main complaint. Okay. There is, uh, certainly there's a lot of sex and a lot of uh, pretty good sex going on in it you've got with uh, some good stars you've got some classics you've got the 1982 centerfold superstar pat manning yeah uh just finger blasting thumb blasting away yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh i don't know uh thinking about this one and the other ones we've seen from him this one just lacks a lot to me it's uh it's, it's lackluster i'll say okay um 
it lacks a certain luster. <laughs> it lacks that chin, that chin juice that we all know and love. <laughs> like there's a, just, just as an example, like there's an attempt at creating drama. Right. But it none of it really pans out to mean anything, ultimately. Uh, you, like the conflict between Laura and her mother. Right. Uh, it ends on a, like a slap. But uh, apparently that's just normal for them because nothing comes of that. Yeah. Uh, and there's like stuff about her dad that isn't relevant. Right. Uh, Maggie seems to have actual problems that aren't uh, given <laughs> like any. Uh, I mean, just like no like if you're going to have like a parent dispute, it seems like she would be the one you would focus it on. Right. Like her dad come in and being like, oh, you're all you're all strung out again. Listen to the goddamn Velvet Underground. <laughs> uh, you know, something like that. But everything just seems sort of disjointed and misplaced in a way that uh, doesn't show the usual uh, competency that I come have come to associate with his work. Fair enough. Uh, like I said, there's it looks nice. There's some good sex scenes in it. Uh it has its own theme song, which I always love, but I don't know. There's just something missing in this one. Uh, but honestly, I was I was pretty bored. I kept waiting for like something to come of the drama that it because that's the tone it sets. Yeah, like that's that's the way it wants to go. That's fine. I'm I'm good with that. I like whichever taboo is mostly talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt that was fine, but, uh, I don't know. I need some resolution. I need something. Uh, like I said, at the end of the last segment, why wasn't the movie just what she's talking about at the end? Like the summer of the sweet young foxes, right? Like, Oh, the parents are away and now the, the foxes will play. <laughs> and they played a little bit at the end. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. As far as, uh, of ways I'd like to waste my time. I can think of a lot better than uh, this one. I'm going to give it a, a miserly two and a half. Okay. All right. Yeah, um, I will say that I watched this a few years ago um, after I had seen The Young Like It Hot and was pretty disappointed by this. Yeah, uh, um, that's a much better film. Yeah, yeah. and Any way you slice it. Yeah, but I will say it's it's competently made as far as like the technical aspects of oh, yeah. it the yeah. music's decent i would say good yeah um the sex scenes what they're what's there is good um there's an attractive cast um and you know compared to some of the movies that we've seen at the very least i think that it's successfully erotic in its sex scenes sure and uh it looks good but i'll agree that like the drama is i mean dramatic stuff isn't my favorite stuff anyway and especially since like there's a lot of drama that gets set up here that isn't really paid off yeah it kind of feels like a waste of time in a sense. The tease. It, this easily could have been like a fun comedy. Yeah. Like, it seems like they decided to make this just kind of a day in the life because it all takes place in a day. Right. Other than Laura reminiscing at the very end. But it's all about them. And it introduces all the girls and it tries to give all three characters depth. And I appreciate that in a way but it just it sets up storylines that never get any payoff to them. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, here comes the cuz each time something like that I'm like, okay, here comes the here comes the arc, here comes, you know, some uh kind of uh, uh or some kind of stakes of some sort. Yeah. Uh or there's a lot of ways it could have went, but I just feel like this was written in a cocaine fueled haze <laughs> over like 6 hours. Yeah, perhaps. But, like, because, like, you've got Laura, and she's the most well-developed character, and she has this thing with her mom where, like, her mom and her get in arguments, and 
there's almost a resolution there, but not really in the sense that she talks to Raymond and Raymond convinces her to go to St. Paul with him and let Laura do her own thing. And that happens, but there's never any like real reconciliation between Laura and her mom directly. Right. It's just more that her mom has left and now she doesn't have to fight with her mom anymore. Yeah. She's just out of the picture. Right. She's in St. Paul, which is every woman's dream is to be asked to move to St. Paul. (laughs) And then we've got Maggie. Maggie's the one with the highest stakes in her background. Mm -hmm. And there is no resolution to her thing. No. The only thing that we have with her is that, uh, she was approached by an older lesbian who she had a good time with. Yeah, and uh, she maybe got roofied by Ron Jeremy. Perhaps she's always sli- she's always sleepy though, so it's she hard might to have, tell. <laughs> yeah, she might have just already been on downers. Yeah, so I mean it. The storyline about her being a drug addict is something that adds depth to her character, but it doesn't get any resolution. So Mm -hmm. it in itself, it exists in a way that makes you go, okay, this character isn't just one dimensional, but narratively speaking, it's meaningless. Right. And then with Kim, her only real issue is that she feels the need to be a perfectionist, but that has absolutely no impact on anything in the film and i feel like these these personality traits of everyone could have been tied into the sex scenes that they had at the end Mm -hmm. even if it was just a few extra exchanges in the conversation leading up to them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where you can see where oh okay this personality trait of this character leads to them to have an interaction with somebody where this happens and all of it even if it doesn't actually have a resolution, at least it played into their interactions with other people. The closest thing there was was Laura telling uh, Alan that she was out to piss her mom off. Yeah. But like that didn't like play into what she did with Alan or anything. It was just she wasn't at home to piss her mom off. No, yeah. It's just all set dressing with like no, uh, no meat. Yeah. I mean, it's all sizzle. Where's my damn steak, you know? <laughs> I will say that overall, though... I want though, my fox steak. Having watched this a second time, I think I liked it more the second time than I did the first time, just because I went in with those expectations in check. Okay. And I think I might have expected it to be worse than it actually was when I watched it the second time. Sure, I could see that. It could be a grower, I'm not gonna a shower, give, you know? I'm going to give it three stars. It's not remarkable, but I enjoyed watching it a second time. I don't know that I'm going to watch it again mm-hmm. anytime soon. Right. But, you know, it's uh, it's another Hypatia Lee vehicle. She's hot in it. Her co-stars are hot in it. Everybody, yeah. everybody has sex and gets off, and we've seen far lazier excuses to have a bunch of sex scenes. That's certainly true, and... Honestly, I think Maggie Carolot's character, I think Carolot uh is pretty attractive uh and does a good job in this role and it would have it really would have been nice to have uh, expanded that somewhat. Yeah, for even sure. Even if that meant taking the focus off Hypatia Lee some. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know. She's I've seen her before. Maybe Hypatia Lee should have been the junkie. Uh, then we could have focused on it more. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it just... Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Like I said, it seems like they started writing it when they were, had a lot of cocaine, and they finished writing it like when they were like... Coming down? The, when they were licking the bag. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this is no Sweet Young Foxes. It's no Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls. It's no Sweet, sweet Young Foxes. It's oh, no yeah. Sweet Young Foxes. <laughs> it's no The Young Like It Hot. Yeah. It yeah. is Sweet Young Foxes. <laughs> For better or for worse, and yeah. it's no hot and saucy pizza girls. Yeah, it's uh, it ain't great, but uh, if you got to watch all, every film Hypatia Lee's been in, it's probably not the worst one. Probably not. I don't know that I've seen a worse one, but I haven't seen all of them, and it, uh, they continue into the video era, so yeah, I'm uh, sure there's worse. There's definitely worse. Uh, I think they just, like I've said it before, they just kept like trying to make her play like drunk Indians. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely well, yeah, worse okay. out there. <laughs> For sure. Well, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. 
uh, raincoatreport at gmail.com if you need to email us. Patreon.com slash raincoatreport if you want to support us. Last week on our Patreon, we talked about X Hamsters, The Sex Factor. And uh, next we week we'll learned, have something else. Yeah, and we learned what it takes to be a cuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're out there in the world cucking around. <laughs> if you're in... <laughs> If you're going to St. Paul, don't forget your raincoat. Oh yes. Yeah. It's drizzly. It's that's what I've heard. 